welcome. My name is Alessandra Carden, and you're listening to The Alessandra Carden Show. On this podcast, we explore nutrition, holistic health, personal development, and more. It's my mission to give you the information, inspiration, tips, and tools that you need to optimize your energy, health, and happiness. I'm here to help you thrive. Hey everyone, I have an amazing conversation to share with you today. The special guest on this episode is my dear friend, Julia Marcuzzi. She is a registered holistic nutritionist and she's specialized in plant-based nutrition. Julia is from Toronto where I met her, but she moved to Byron Bay, Australia where she studied yoga. Yes, she is a yoga teacher as well. In this episode, you'll hear about Julia's plant-based journey and you'll discover the answers to the top questions that people have about the plant-based diet. If you've been thinking about going plant-based, this is an episode you have to listen to. If you're already plant-based or eat mostly plant-based foods, you'll definitely want to listen as well because I'm sure you'll learn a lot about the science behind the plant-based diet and be inspired by Julia's journey and her wonderful wellness advice. It's always great to stay inspired and continue learning. In this episode, we touch on pretty much everything you need to know about going plant-based. All the fundamentals. In fact, we decided to make this a two-part podcast because we had so much to share. In this half of the conversation, you'll hear the answers to the questions, why should I go vegan? What can I eat? Is it satisfying? We talk about digestive health, phytoestrogens, lectins, how to find credible research, and so much more. I hope you learn a lot from this episode. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, my conversation with Julia. Thanks so much for doing this podcast with me today. I'm so excited. I'm excited. My first podcast. Yeah, it's going to be so good. We always have such good conversations about all the plant-based things, all the nutrition science. So I'm so glad we're recording. Yeah, me too. I feel like whenever we chat on the phone, it's pretty much could be a podcast anyways. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Might as well record it this time. Um, Yeah, they're always good chats. Shall we get into it then? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, so first I thought it'd be great to start with some background on your journey. So why did you go vegan and when did you go vegan? What inspired you? Yeah, um, so I started eating plant-based after university. I think it was the year after I graduated. And it was really a book that inspired me. It was called Crazy Sexy Diet by a really awesome woman named Chris Carr. And yeah, she pretty much just outlined all of the health benefits and she wrote it in a really fun and entertaining way. So yeah, I read that book and then essentially overnight decided it was the first time I had really heard about all of the benefits and had the realization of just how healthy that way of eating was. So I pretty much decided to go vegan overnight which was interesting (laughs) but yeah that's how it all started oh that's awesome how is it 
Uh, yeah, just making the switch completely overnight. What were you eating before, too, as well? Oh, dear. I was eating <laughs> So, literally everything. I mean, growing up Italian, I personally, I was never a huge lover of meat or, yeah, of meat dishes or animals. But, um, I mean, eating animals. I always loved animals. But we grew up eating everything. Like, my nona would make meatballs and she'd always make pasta with meat sauce and pizza with pepperoni. And then also other things too, like, I mean, you see that my little bunny now is sit lying beside me during the podcast, but so cute. growing up, <laughs> I know his name is Butter, <laughs> as you know, but um, yeah, growing up, it's in like in Italy, they actually eat rabbits. It's a cultural dish there for um, special occasions. They call it Cornelio. So really I ate all, like almost everything. And then in university, especially, I feel like my diet became a lot more processed. It was the first time I was living on my own. I had literally no idea how to cook. So I would just eat like, oh my goodness, craft dinner all the time. I remember there were these Reese puff cereals that oh, I, I had <laughs> those. <laughs> literally just boxes and boxes of and like sun chips and I remember those too. (laughs) (laughs) And I never even really thought about it or how it was making me feel. I guess when you're young, you're not really, it's not really on your mind or it wasn't for me at that time. So it was interesting. I always loved fruit though. And I probably didn't eat tons of veggies, but um, yeah, I guess growing up Italian as well, even though there was a lot of more, more cheese, I would say than, than meat in my family, but I guess it was all home cooked. It was all made with love. So there was at least that aspect. Like it wasn't super processed growing up. It was, I guess, what my family was trying to cook was the healthiest um, to their knowledge. But then, yeah, university was just a disaster. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, my family was pretty similar. Like my mom would always make homemade food. But yeah, it would be pastas sometimes they'd even make homemade lasagna and gnocchi um, but there'd be lots of cheese and yeah chicken meatballs pizza with pepperoni that kind of thing but we definitely did have a lot of processed snack foods um yes yeah and then yeah with me my journey was very gradual I transitioned over about three years but I I got into it because I was doing a project and then I had to research why someone would go vegetarian and I, I kind of found all the animal rights stuff and it it just yeah. like it I couldn't unlearn what I had discovered and it slowly turned me off of meat. But then like you, when I read a book about plant-based nutrition, for me it was Thrive Diet by Brendan Brazier. After reading that the next day, I finally understood the nutrition science and I just thought I, I have to do this and then I just completely went whole food plant-based. So I'm so glad we're doing this podcast today because I I feel like it's so important to understand the nutrition science because then it just makes sense. It kind of really empowers you to step into that new lifestyle when you have all the the knowledge. Exactly. Because even I feel if you have the right intentions and if you want to do the right thing for your body and the environment and obviously for animals as well, but you don't have that understanding, it's, it can be really, just really confusing. There's so much, so much information out there and it's really hard to navigate through it and 
figure out what actually works and what is supported by science. So this will be a great little chat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but I wanted to say, like, I, I tried to go vegan overnight, but because I had read that book, but didn't actually have proper nutritional background at that point, I... Yeah, I didn't, I just really didn't know what I was doing. And I ended up after my initial attempt, I ended up introducing some things back in like seafood and cheese. And then after that, it was like your journey, it was more gradual. And exactly like you, as I started to gain the nutritional background and confidence in the science behind it, that's when I really was able to implement the diet in a really healthy way. And that's when it becomes a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely so important to educate yourself on this stuff. And you studied holistic nutrition. So when did you make that decision to go to school for nutrition? I did. Um, so I was living in Sydney for a year. It was a couple years after uni. I just came over. I mean, I'm back in Australia now, as you know. Yeah. <laughs> but um. I went over it was just kind of like a fun party year I just wanted to have an adventure and try something new live abroad it was really yeah it was really that year I think that it had been a a couple years or a few years since I had started the transition and started to learn a little bit more here and there and then yeah something while I was away I just became super interested in the health aspect and I decided I really wanted to grow my knowledge and come back home and study. So then, yeah, that's why I came back home and then signed up for my course to become a holistic nutritionist. That's awesome. And I was wondering if there is anything that you wish you knew right from the start when you were going plant-based, because you said it was a bit of a journey, like back and forth. You made the decision, I want to go vegan. And then there's just like a little bit of a, a journey there. So I'm wondering if there were key things you wish you knew right from the beginning of that decision. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I definitely wish that I had a stronger nutritional background in it, even if it wasn't so in depth at the beginning, just kind of knowing the basics, which the book I read obviously touched upon it. But I think at that point, because I really was starting from a point of, you know, no nutritional knowledge, I couldn't really implement what I had learned. And transfer that to my diet, which I find is really common with clients too. Like they might learn what nutrients are important in this way of eating, but it can be tricky at first to know how to actually incorporate those into everyday life in a practical way. So I think I really struggled there. So I would have loved, yeah, just a little bit more support. Um, And I also found, I think we've talked about this before, but yeah, I struggled to find, I guess, science-based resources at that point. Most of what I was learning was kind of from like YouTubers or bloggers, and it wasn't really science-based. It was more their experience. So whether they were eating a high fruit diet or any other way, I yeah, I kind of was just trying to find something that worked for someone else versus, I guess, looking at the science and then experimenting with myself to get there. So I, yeah, I think it's amazing how many resources there are available today. And a lot of them are so heavily based in science. And then probably the other thing that would have been really helpful too would be some staple recipes, because like I said, in uni, I was 
just hopeless in the kitchen. And it was really when I started eating plant-based was when I had to learn how to cook. And it was quite, um, yeah, it was quite interesting. (laughs) I could have used a bit of help there. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate to all of those points. Yeah. I I really value the science too. I think it's so inspiring to look at what people are posting on YouTube, sharing their experiences and things. But Mm -hmm. I feel like I got really caught up in that and kind of thinking I have to do exactly what they're doing. But I love how you said you educated yourself on the science and then sort of experimented on your own body to see like what exactly works for you. That's so Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what, what makes you feel good, you know, because mm-hmm. everybody's body is different. And I truly believe a plant-based diet is the healthiest way to eat. But a plant-based diet, I mean, whole food, of course, based on whole foods, but it can look different for you, for me, for everyone. So it's not really a one size fits all. It's, you know, learning the basics and then figuring out what makes your body thrive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so many different plant-based foods, and you can get every single vitamin, mineral, micronutrient, macronutrient you need from plant-based sources. So mm-hmm. you can just think of it, the foods, the different nutrients as building blocks to whatever specific diet you need. You know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah. not like yeah. specific, like you said, one size fits all thing. You can customize it so much. Um, the options are endless. There's so many different plants. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Thousands, probably thousands we haven't even discovered. Like going to the grocery store the other day, we have a little local husband and wife who own a grocery store here. And I always try to pick up something new that I haven't tried before. And just the other day, I found all these root veggies that I had never seen. And I was like, oh my goodness, imagine what else is out there. And they each have their own health benefit and their own you know, combination of nutrients, like you said. So yeah, it can be customized to work for anyone, no matter what your needs are. Yeah, like you said, it's... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really cool. And we'll, of course, be going into the health benefits. But before that... Oh, yeah. So I asked you what you found challenging. Is there anything you find your clients tend to think is most challenging? Um, I think the biggest thing that I see, the biggest pattern is the mindset that it has to be all or nothing right from the beginning. So kind of like seeking to be perfect as opposed to just trying to progress and do it in a gentle way. So I really like to look at it as instead of an all or nothing mindset, just progressing at your own rate, being kind to yourself. Everyone, like we said, has their own unique journey and taking it one day at a time leads to much more sustainable results and it leads to it really becoming a lifestyle versus a diet so you know instead of like I would eat cheese pizza but the next day I wouldn't be like oh no I'm not vegan anymore I'm gonna start eating meat again I would just go oh yeah that happened and then just start fresh you know try your best so that's what I try to communicate to my clients and I think because I personally had that experience as well I struggled with that it helps them to relate and to kind of see that eventually everybody gets there because you just start to feel better and better and you crave those animal-based foods less and less. Um, And then I also think at the beginning, it can be really common to struggle with what to eat, even though now it's like, what don't you eat? There's so many things, so many different types of plants. It's endless. But 
when you know when you're really used to eating a few staple meals it can be a little bit overwhelming to think that you have to switch them all um so yeah just some staple recipes can be really helpful there and also kind of keeping what you're familiar with but just doing little tweaks to make them more plant-based yeah i think those would be the most common challenges and also family which i think we both would have experiences with and not in the sense that they're challenging or putting you down but just kind of how to communicate to your family what you're doing and how to kind of get them on board um i remember when i first started i was not not scared but i was just so hesitant to tell my nono and nona because food is a way that they show love so my nona cooking for us was her way of loving us and i remember pretending to take meatballs and then just put them on my cousin's plate for like probably a year and then one day i was just like no 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 i don't eat that anymore and it took a little bit of time to kind of understand but she got on board so fast and started making me the most delicious vegan meals like just pasta with tomato sauce and huge salads and cooked um veggies beans and peas was one of her favorites so yeah if my nona could get on board i think with um a little bit of education and you know a really gentle and kind approach with family any family member comes around eventually so that's something that i also like to work um with my clients as well having that support and yeah that communication yeah i had a similar experience with my family so i just mentioned what we used to eat but i yeah. <laughs> found my transition to a whole food plant based diet and lifestyle was so gradual and i i was just sharing what i was learning with my family as i went mm-hmm. along from a place of just excitement and kindness you know but i yeah. think they just saw how good i was feeling and they were learning a lot um yeah, and exactly. yeah it i don't it just happened so gradually and this whole journey started so long ago for me. I was in 8th grade when I started learning about vegetarianism. So, that's been over a decade now, but now they're pretty much plant-based. The all the time they'll have an egg, but it's it's just amazing. I didn't even realize it because it was such a gradual progression. So, I feel like it's so good to just lead by example sort of and just live your life and just, you know, they'll definitely be positively influenced. Exactly. I love what you said. Just lead by example. Just show how mm-hmm. happy it makes you and how great you feel and then I think naturally people just get curious and they're like, "Oh, like yeah. what is and eating such delicious food too." They just yeah, it, they just everybody loves delicious food. Even my sister's plant-based as well and um the last Thanksgiving that we were in Canada because we both live um here in Australia now, we cooked, we convinced our mom to to cook um to take over Thanksgiving. So my sister and I cooked like a fully plant-based oh, Thanksgiving. <laughs> and no one, I mean, our parents are amazing. They eat, like you said, so many more plants now. I'm so proud of them. But um, yeah, even our family members who aren't into it at all, everyone loved it so much. And it was just so special being able to share that with them. That's a really good tip as well to share food with people. So So you're going to a family gathering and you're nervous there won't be anything for you to eat there. You can bring a dish. You can maybe even ask the host if that would make you feel more comfortable. But 
not just bringing a dish for you, but bringing something to share so that everyone is included in that experience. And then so they can get a taste of what plant-based food is. Exactly. And I also love bringing something and not like not making a big deal of it, just bringing it and not really mentioning that it's plant-based. And then when everybody loves it, you're like, oh yeah, by the way. (laughs) That's a good tip too. Yeah, we'd always do that with like a cashew-based cheesecake and everybody would be so shocked. I mean, now they know because... Right, yeah. (laughs) First year, they were like, what? (laughs) Yeah, I love that tip you said about bringing, you know, including, including, exactly. Also, just, I I love that too. Um, Not even telling people it's plant-based. I think that's a good tip as well to just continue life as normal continue your social life as normal because so true. I feel like at first sometimes people make a huge deal out of it and they're sort of nervous what are people gonna think but if you just have you know that confidence that energy of like I'm just going to hang out with my family it's not a big deal you know what I mean <laughs> yeah totally I totally and you know what being yeah just being really relaxed and having that loving attitude also is so important because I know I I mentioned how I kind of um, dealt with my grandparents, which was like in the most gentle and loving way. But I have to admit with my parents, I was the opposite because (laughs) when you first learn about it and you learn about the ethical aspect and the impact of factory farming on the environment and animal agriculture and all of the um, negative outcomes it has, you just get so passionate And I guess with your parents, people who obviously you love so much and you know will always forgive you, I just want to be crazy. (laughs) So I think everyone is very happy that, I mean, it was probably a year or so, but that is well behind us. And now, like you said, it's just, yeah, just like such a gentle approach, just acting like normal and leading by example and just by being happy and healthy. Mm-hmm. And that actually leads perfectly into our common questions. So we're going to chat about some of the top questions that people have about going plant-based. And the first question is, why should I go vegan? Yeah, okay. So this question, I feel like there are a million reasons, but I like to break it down into three categories. So the first is obviously health, which is just there are so many health benefits to this lifestyle. It truly is the healthiest way to eat. And it's been proven by science for not just recently, but for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, When you take a look back at the research, it's been around forever. It just hasn't been circulated by the media as much as other things have. So eating a and before we go on, I just want to mention too. So like what we're talking about, Ali, is obviously a whole food plant-based diet, mm-hmm. which is eating from nature. So eating fruits, veggies, legumes, nuts, seeds, sprouts, and eating them in their whole form. So they look as close to nature as possible. Obviously, there's the whole vegan aspect too with like processed foods, but the health benefits really come from eating a whole food plant-based diet. Oh yeah, that was that was the second question. What what is the difference between vegan and whole food plant based? There are I know there are a lot of labels, and I think we probably would both agree it's best to just focus on adding more whole foods in where you can. But it's it's good to know because if you're 
getting into this lifestyle and you're researching blogs and books, you, you'll definitely come across these different terms. So it's good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe do you want to do you want us to talk about the terms and then once we distinguish them? We yeah. Can go yeah. Into that. OK, cool. Um, you find that the terms are used quite interchangeably, like you'll see sometimes vegan, sometimes whole food, plant based, but not I, yeah, I find it can get tricky because people do use both terms and sometimes they don't really distinguish the difference between them. Yeah, definitely. Do you find yeah. yeah. So pretty much, so vegan obviously means you're eating a diet that has no animal products in it, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a healthy diet. So vegan food can be processed. It can be junk food. Like, I mean, Oreos are vegan. There's so many fast food restaurants now have introduced vegan options like burgers and things like that, which in one way is incredible because it's giving people something familiar to choose versus an animal product, which obviously has benefits for the animal, for the environment. And I would argue would be a little bit healthier anyways than the animal product, but those are not health foods. So being vegan isn't the same thing as being healthy. Um, On the other hand, whole food plant-based is also a vegan diet because you're not eating any animals or animal products, but you're eating, as I mentioned, all those beautiful foods from nature. So it's a really nutrient-dense way to eat. You're getting an array of vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, which are antioxidants, lots and lots of fiber, which research in the past 10 years has shown is a predictor for gut health and gut health is so important for immunity, brain function, and just overall health. So yeah, whole food plant-based is what we're aiming for, for sure. (laughs) Did that clear it up? Yeah. Yeah. And I often hear as well that the vegan diet, it's more about just what you don't eat. So you don't eat animal products, but it it doesn't tell you what you do eat. And then whole food plant-based is of course about what you do eat. Like you said, the whole foods from nature, fruits, veggies, whole grains, legumes, seeds, nuts. And then also if we look at the origins of the terms too, vegan comes from the animal rights movement. So like I said, it's about not eating those animal-based foods, but then whole food plant-based originates from the nutrition science world. So they're just, they're kind of just focused on different things. But like you said, you can be vegan and whole food plant-based and at the end of the day, they are just labels, but it's, it's good to know. That's so interesting. The origins, I hadn't thought about it that way before, but that clarifies it a lot as well. I like that. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, for sure. And then, so why go vegan or whole food (laughs) plant-based? I also love, before I answer that, I also love how you said the label vegan tends to focus on what you're giving up versus whole food plant-based focus on what you're gaining because that's such a huge thing I find is just I feel like the common mentality is to think oh but I'm going to be giving up this and this but when you think about it I mean I feel like most people eat the same maybe 10-ish meals Um, they would have a few favorite meats cheese maybe milk so giving up maybe four or five food items that you eat on a regular basis, then you're opening up this whole new world of hundreds and even thousands of different plants. And 
I genuinely think for me, for sure, and I think for most people, that just the the diversity and the amount of different different foods eaten grows so much once you make that switch to plant-based. Definitely. It's so true. It, yeah, it's funny. There aren't that many different types of meats and cheeses people eat, but I can't even tell you how many different plant foods there are. Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> I, know, I don't know either. And it's funny that, you know, I mean, I probably also, it's been so long now, it's hard to remember sometimes, but people get so focused on like just giving up those that those handful of foods. But then when you look at what you're gaining, it's like, why wouldn't I do that? But anyhow, yeah, yeah we can move on if you want. Yeah. Oh, also, actually, quickly, I want to go back to uh, when you're saying how you like to focus on it just being a journey and just gradually adding in good food. I really like that too. I did a health coaching certification at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition and they all, they call it crowding out. So rather than focusing on what you're giving up, just add in good food. And as you add in the whole plant-based foods, the nutrient dense foods that make you feel so good, you're naturally just going to gravitate away from any foods that don't really serve your highest health. So, so, so true. I love that. Yeah. And then it happens naturally and you honestly, you don't even realize it's like a sneaky little shit. It's like, it's something you want to do. It's not like something from a place of restriction. It's, it's like, and that that makes it sustainable. Mm -hmm. Totally. We're always on the same page. I know. It's amazing. (laughs) Were we talking about the, the health benefits? Yeah. Oh, Oh yeah. So I've, the question was just why, Um, why should I go vegan so of course health and then Mm -hmm. yeah um okay so yeah so health so as we mentioned it's a super it is the healthiest diet one can Mm -hmm. eat the whole food diet exactly whole food food plant-based slash healthy vegan (laughs) um so for longevity so obviously for living long but not only living long but living well so just being healthy active and happy into your later years um, so yeah, just feeling amazing until, yeah, until whatever age you live till. Um, and then of course it reduces chronic disease. And in some cases, um, like type two diabetes and heart disease specifically, um, research has shown that it can actually reverse these conditions. Um, what else? It promotes a healthy microbiome. I think I touched on that. So in the past 10 years, they've discovered thousands and thousands more gut bacteria. So the research in this area has really blossomed. And they found that the biggest predictor of a healthy gut is the diversity of the plants that you eat. So eating as many different plants as you can leads to the healthiest microbiome, which we said is linked to immunity and also serotonin production, so feeling happy. So this diet also makes you feel and look great. And yeah, I'm sure there are a million other benefits, but those are just some of the prominent ones. Um, And then of course, so that's the health. And then the next thing I always mention is the environmental benefits. So eating a whole food plant-based diet is also not only the healthiest thing to do for your body but also the healthiest thing to do for our planet which is amazing because it's like a win-win situation right Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, then and affects our health too, right? Because we, we're part of the environment. We need a healthy environment to live in. So exactly. yeah. Exactly. Because we're, we're, we're connected. We're connected to the earth, um, to Mother Earth. So the health of ex- exactly what you said, the health of the earth directly affects us. Um, and before, I think everybody knows that obviously there is an environmental aspect, but do you want me to go just briefly into a few ways that um, animal agriculture affects the environment? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Sure. Much. Yeah. Um, so the main things that I think stand out to me is deforestation and that's from grazing livestock primarily. So they cut down tons and tons of forest every day just to raise animals that in turn feed a lot less people than plants could feed. And they also cut down tons of forest to grow feed crops that then feed animals that then feed a few people. And the consequences of this are that rainforests and trees and forests naturally draw carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. So they actually help to offset our greenhouse gases. And as we know, climate change at the moment is a huge problem. So just supporting supporting our earth, which is so intuitive and so naturally intelligent that it creates these forests, which can actually heal itself, is just critical right now. Um, it also, the runoff from factory farms leads to ocean dead zones. And again, in this similar way that trees can soak up greenhouse gases, the ocean acts like a sponge. But unfortunately, in the areas that are dead, it can no longer do this. So it can't draw those out of the atmosphere anymore. And then there's methane emissions, um, which are released from cows. And those are have a much higher heating potential than carbon dioxide does. So methane is a particularly destructive greenhouse gas. And then, of course, it's just a, it's just a really unsustainable system. So it's massive land use, um, water use. All these animals, these beautiful animals need to drink so much water. They need to eat so much food. And when you think about it, it's, it's really simple when we just stop to kind of think like, that, that doesn't really make sense. Like, why are we doing that? So, yeah, I think that covers the environmental, unless I missed anything you can think of. I always say, watch Cowspiracy. <laughs> yes, I love that documentary. Such an well. eye-opening documentary. Because I'd heard a bit about how it affects the environment, just reading mm-hmm. in some books and blogs. But when I saw that documentary, I was just mind-blown. I, I didn't know how bad it was. Gats are a really good resource. Do you know any other good resources if you want to learn more? You know what? I listened to a podcast um, the other day that talked about about the environmental aspects and alternatives. Um, I'll I'll let you know, and then maybe you can can you link it afterwards? Yeah, yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was on the Plant Proof podcast. I just can't remember the title of it, but it was about um, regenerative agriculture, and it really exp- like it really explained in even more depth and with really current research the impact that raising food is having so yeah I would definitely recommend that as well um yeah and then 
My favorite benefit of why anyone should go vegan is for love. So a lot of people would say that this is the ethical aspect, but I like to call it the love aspect. And it's really my favorite part because for me, I believe this is the this is the favorite aspect of what I have gained through this lifestyle. Um, just viewing the world in a different way and just viewing animals in in a new way. I always loved animals, but I I never saw them how I do now. And I fully believe that it's because eating animal products, so meat and dairy, and having those foods in our body, um, it comes with the experience that the animal experienced while they were being raised and while they were killed. And I really do believe that having those foods in our body keeps us kind of subdued or doesn't allow us to really connect with the world and with the animals. I know we're going into a little bit of, um, dare I say, hippie terms, but (laughs) yeah, that was honestly has been my favorite aspect because I think everyone is born loving and peaceful and nobody really wants to inflict any pain or suffering on another being. So it was starting for health reasons um, and then, yeah, leading to so much more love Mm -hmm. in my life, as I hear so many people say, and I know you've, you've expressed that to me as well. Yeah, definitely. And I love that you call it love too. Just having that really compassionate, lifestyle it just it makes you feel good and that's the thing too why why should I go vegan to feel good because if you're healthy you feel good if you're doing something good for the environment and you have lots of love in your life you feel good I think that sums it so up true. I should add that I should add that as a fourth a fourth tenant to my list. it sort of sums it up right to feel good yeah to feel good exactly so yeah those are the reasons amazing And the next question was, what can I eat? Which we sort of covered already. There's a lot of different plant-based foods. And also part of that question was, what do you personally eat in a day? So maybe sharing what you eat will inspire people, um, give them an idea of what vegans might eat in a day. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I feel like throughout the years, my diet has changed a lot as we talked about we kind of experimented and just figured out what feels best for us so I definitely recommend um, anyone starting it's just a learning process you're reconnecting with your body and when you feed it nutrient dense foods it your body learns how to talk to you again and you regain an awareness of of how good you can feel so yeah, it's been years, but at the moment, I so sh- I guess I'll just go through like a typical day from waking up. Yeah. Okay, so I wake up and I always drink water first thing in the morning. Lately, I actually have been adding chia seeds to my water just oh, for cool. a little Yeah, like as of just a couple weeks ago, just for I saw it on I think a YouTube video and I was like, I'm going to try that. Um yeah, it might not be for everyone, but I just like kind of the texture and it gives it like a little bit of a crunch, if you know what I mean. And then I want to try. <laughs> yeah, I, I especially love it in coconut water. So I'll have like, I'll have my big mason jar of water, but I'll do like just a glass of coconut water with some chia seeds. Um, and then they're full of 
omega-3, which is amazing. So that's a great way to add some omega-3s into your plant-based diet. So yeah, I start with water and I always take my B12 supplement in the morning as well, just so I remember. Um, And then whenever I get hungry, which usually is around noon, but I'm not strict with it. Like if I get hungry earlier, I, I will make breakfast or if it's a bit later, that's okay too. But generally I'll have a big smoothie for breakfast and yeah, I'm a big smoothie person. Hey, you so, love your mango smoothies, right? Yes, that is definitely one of my favorite is my mango maca macadamia smoothie. So good. Yeah, I also love though, I just, I feel like when I make like a really green smoothie full of herbs and leafy greens and I usually add in a bit of cucumber and lately I've been adding in sprouts as well. I just feel like it provides my body with so much energy and so many nutrients first thing that yeah there's not I I feel the most amazing with a green smoothie but obviously sometimes I crave my mango or rarely like a little chocolate peanut butter situation (laughs) (laughs) yeah and I find also I'll just mention um with smoothies so I make really big (laughs) really big smoothies and I'm laughing because I feel like when friends come over or when they make me a smoothie they make like these little tiny ones (laughs) (laughs) or if they ask how does it fill you up they don't realize that it's literally like a liter mason jar of smoothie and again it's just so many greens and herbs and then lots of fruit as well which I love fruit I know you love fruit as well but it's so good (laughs) it's and it's such a health food and I think so many people are a little bit scared off of fruit because of its natural sugar content, but it's, it's true. I think it's the perfect food for our bodies. It's mother nature has packaged it with, with fiber, with vitamins, minerals, antioxidants. So when we eat it, our body knows exactly how to process all of those things, including the sugar And then that sugar is converted into such an efficient energy source for our bodies. So yeah, there's a reason why fruit makes you feel so good and yeah, why it's so good for you. So it's pretty much my favorite snack, (laughs) which I'll snack on um, pretty much until lunch or dinner. And then I'm not a huge lunch person. I'll usually, I am a big snacker. This this is hilarious. I'm the exact same. (laughs) I tried, I actually tried for the past couple of weeks because one of my clients makes like the most amazing salads, even before he started with me. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll add a, a big salad for lunch. And like, I, I love them so much, but I just, yeah, I just feel like I'm just a lunch snacker versus a lunch meal person. Yeah, I, I definitely love grazing throughout the day. And I love that you said that fruit is just such an efficient energy source for our body. Cause that's how I feel. I feel like I can really listen to my body and whenever I'm hungry, just go for some fruit and it'll just sustain me through the whole day. And then I can really take time to make something special at dinner. Yeah, I know. Dinner is like, I, yeah, exactly. I love dinner because then I focus my energy and my cooking creativity mm-hmm. on one um so yeah and dinner also because I'll always have dinner with my boyfriend and he eats a lot so I'll always (laughs) 
hungry, hungry boy. But um, yeah, I'll always get creative. So I guess, yeah, maybe I'll just list like some of our favorites at the moment. So I love, um, there's so many options, but I love making baked chickpea falafels and then making like really delicious sauce with tahini and a bit of pickle juice. That's a favorite. Um, veggie bowls or like Buddha bowls, as some people call them, are really awesome because you can just look at whatever you have in whatever veggies you have in the fridge and then rotate grains. So we just keep a variety of whole grains in the cupboard and then you just have so much variety, so much diversity that you never get sick of it. That's what I make um, every night. It's so easy. Like you said, you can throw anything you want in it and get so many different foods and just put everything dressing on it. And yeah, so good. (laughs) It's so easy. And it's such a good way to cover your nutrition bases as well, because you have the whole grain component and then you, you have the legume aspect. So you can add like chickpeas or you can do black beans and make it more of like a Mexican theme. Or you can do edamame and make it like an Asian inspired bowl. So it's just, there's so much variety. Um, I love adding sprouts also to pretty much everything now, <laughs> just because they are so nutrient dense as well, even more um, dense than the full grown vegetable um, that they would become. What kind of sprouts do you add? Um, my, I really love sunflower sprouts and I also, (laughs) I also love, I mean, most people would find us to be weirdos, (laughs) but you ever just snack on them like plain? Yes. They're amazing. Of course you do. They're so good. I'll put a little bowl aside for butter and I'll have a bowl and we'll like eat. He loves them and we'll just eat (laughs) and you're cute. (laughs) eat them faster and then goes to my bowl but um yeah I yeah I've just been learning a little bit more about sprouts recently I'm actually really interested in starting to grow them so that's my next project but um yeah I love that you can add anything to the bowls and then also stir fries are really easy too if you which kind of is a bowl in itself yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and then another dish lately that's been a favorite is my whole food plant-based nachos yeah amazing um and I make the cheese sauce with cashews and then root vegetables and garlic and onion which are great prebiotic foods so they're really healthy for our gut bacteria good gut bacteria as well yeah it's just so amazing what delicious food you can make with the simplest ingredients once you just get a little bit of practice yeah definitely so many and patients because I've had some disasters too oh yeah (laughs) so funny yeah so yeah and then I also love a little sweet treat at night which usually for me again um I know you're on the same page as me but most people would be like that's not a treat but I just love dates I have a big jar of dates in the fridge and that's my little dessert and you can make date balls if you add some nuts or something exactly I love actually doing like a slice of ginger in them. If I'm, if I actually have the time and I'm not lazy, I'll caramelize the, or, or what's it called when you, yeah, maybe caramelize the ginger with like a touch of maple syrup. Ooh, wow. That sounds so good. Ginger, that's the word. Caramelizes for onions. That was very wrong. Right. I know what yeah. you mean though. You know what I mean? But usually I'll just slice off a bit of ginger raw and put it in there. And it's like, 
yeah, it's really yummy. It's one of my favorite date combinations. I like taking as well. You should try it. I feel like you'd love it. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to. Pretty much what I eat, which, yeah, I feel like is pretty similar to you, minus the smoothies. <laughs> right, totally. Um, so next question, is it satisfying? Will I be hungry all the time? Ooh, good questions. <laughs> um, so first of all, yes, it is absolutely satisfying. Um, but I think what happens often when somebody transitions off of eating animal-based food to plant-based food is they actually undereat at the beginning. And that's because um, just in it, in its nature, plant-based food is nutrient dense, which means there are more nutrients per calorie. So you're getting more vitamins, minerals, antioxidants per less calories. So if you're removing a piece of chicken, let's say from the top of a salad, you really want to be replacing it with something that would be similar in, in calorie density to maintain the calories that you're taking in. And often at the beginning, that can be a little bit tricky. So like we said before, sometimes people just focus on removing but not adding in. So at the beginning, if you are just focusing on removing, this can lead to, yeah, just pretty much not eating enough food. And then you won't feel satisfied, you'll be hungry, you'll have low energy. And that's not a result of a whole food plant based diet whatsoever. It's just a result of not eating enough calories for the amount of calories that your body naturally burns metabolically throughout the day. And then on top of that, if you're doing exercise as well. So once you get the hang of it, and once you figure out um, the amounts of foods, and also some more calorie dense foods that you can eat, like for example, bananas and dates are calorie dense and provide a lot of energy, as well as some of the high protein foods like legumes and tofu. Um, so once you get the hang of it and figure that out, you will feel super satisfied. And like we mentioned before, there are so many different plant foods and so many different flavors that you can you can literally satisfy any craving. I think vegan food is some of the most delicious food in the world. Mm-hmm. So did I answer your yeah. question? And also what's interesting about calorie density, so the calories per pound of food that you consume Mm -hmm. is, like you said, a lot of plant-based food is low calorie density. So you want to make sure you're getting enough calories. But if you are incorporating lots of those low calorie density foods, they're so rich in fiber, right? So then Mm -hmm. they actually fill our stomachs up volume-wise too. And I, you've definitely seen this infographic. It's on the Forks Over Knives website. It's on. It's probably on a lot of plant-based websites. But the yeah, I know, I know exactly. Yeah. Okay. I'll link this. It shows the stomach, like what I forget how much, like a, a pound of food. I don't know. In a stomach looks like first the stomach is filled with oil. The stomach's not full at all. Then it's it's filled with I don't know. It just gives all these examples. But basically, when you fill up with fruits and veggies the stress receptors in your stomach feel it and then you feel full physically full and then but like you said that that being said it's also important to make sure you're getting enough calories because if you're just eating those like really low calorie dense foods you may be hungry so 
yeah, just making sure to get enough calories, but know that the fiber can help fill you up as well. Mm-hmm, totally. And I think that is one of the reasons why it's such a, if such an effective way to eat for maintaining a healthy body weight. So if somebody is used to eating, like you said, oil is, um, well, fats are the most calorie dense foods. So if somebody's used to eating tons of oil and animal protein, which has animal fat along with it, and then they do switch to a whole food plant-based diet, naturally the body, they will become full eating these foods, eating less calories. And naturally you'll get to that healthy body weight that your body naturally sits at. Um, The other side of that, I think is for someone who is super active or maybe somebody who is wanting to gain muscle or participating in endurance sports or high intensity sports. And like we talked about, it's just about being a little bit mindful about making sure that even though you might feel full, that you are getting in enough calories to sustain your activity level. And um, from friends and from other plant-based resources, a really great way to do that if you need a little boost could be just focusing on some of those more calorie-dense foods, like I mentioned, and Mm -hmm. avocado is also a really great one, nuts and seeds, and also maybe just adding a little smoothie to the day, which can add a little boost of of calories as well and yumminess. Good yeah. ideas. Yeah. And also the, the nutrient density too, like we were talking about too, when you're, when you have all of those nutrients and smoothies are a great way to get tons of nutrients in your body will be yeah. satisfied and you won't be searching for more food for a specific need. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, that's so important what you just mentioned as well, because I think it goes beyond just calories and it goes down to those nutrients. So although you may feel full after eating a bag of chips, they're pretty much devoid of nutrients. So your body is really quickly going to be seeking the nutrients it needs again, which leads you to eat something else. And that's why eating processed food often results in overeating. But when you're eating food that is really rich in those nutrients that your body needs for all of its metabolic processes and just to, to feel satisfied and to thrive, when you're eating those foods, your body gets what it needs and then it tells you, okay, I'm good. So again, it's just relearning how to listen to our body, how to give it what it needs. Um, and yeah, our body is super intelligent. It knows it knows how to keep us balanced and healthy when we just fuel it with the right things. Mm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, eating whole foods from nature it allows your body to, it allows you to know how to listen to your body. Because like you said, a lot of those processed foods, they were designed to be addictive, you know, so it's, it's yeah. hard to listen to your body if you're consuming something. <laughs> like, a, like a Reese puff cereal. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <Hold on. laughs> um, and then next question that people often have is what is up with my digestion? Why am I so bloated when I eat plants and especially beans? What is going on? A lot of people yeah, have this problem when transitioning to this plant-based diet. So common. I hear this. I hear this all the time. I even hear it in podcasts, I feel, about, you know, people who have tried to there maybe they did a vegan challenge for a week or they tried to shift and then 
like you said, they're bloated or they're gassy and they just kind of decide, okay, I guess this, I guess these foods aren't for my body. I guess this way of eating isn't for me, but it is so the opposite. Um, So just because a certain food doesn't make you feel amazing in this moment doesn't mean that it's not good for you. And obviously that applies to a healthy food. And it really all comes down to the gut microbiome. So there are so many different types of bacteria, um, around 15,000 types of bacteria that live in the gut. And there are good bacteria and bad bacteria. So maintaining a balance between the two is crucial for um, for our health and for, for feeling great, for digesting food. And when we have to look at the way we've been eating throughout our whole life. So let's say um, you're 30 years old and you've been eating, you know, a high, a pretty processed diet, not many veggies. Maybe you like a cucumber and iceberg lettuce salad with some tomato and like ranch dressing, which used to be my favorite. (laughs) Um, And you have, you just have a few odd veggies here and there. You rarely eat legumes. You don't really like beans because like you said, they make you feel bloated and gassy. And then one day you read a book and you're like, whoa, I want to try eating plant-based. And that week you cook up all of these delicious meals. And on the first night you make like a Mexican bowl, which has three different kinds of beans, nice beautiful big portion and you eat it and you just feel terrible and like I mentioned a lot of people take that as oh I tried I guess this isn't the right thing for my body but what it means is throughout our whole life the way that we've eaten has created the gut microbiome that we have so the foods we eat feed the different types of bacteria in our in our gut And it's the fiber component of the foods more specifically that feed these. So every different plant has a different balance of fiber. And there are so many different kinds. Um, We categorize them generally as soluble, which is what feeds the bacteria, and then insoluble, which is what helps with gut motility and helps to move things through. But So let's say um, the soluble fiber from a carrot, that feeds a specific type of bacteria that likes carrot fiber. The soluble fiber from a date feeds a different type of bacteria. So you can see the more types of foods that you eat, the more diverse your gut bacteria becomes. So if for your whole 30 years of life, you rarely eat beans, then of course, the type of bacteria that helps you to digest and process beans is going to be pretty much non-existent. So you haven't cultivated or helped to grow this bean processing bacteria, let's say. And then you eat a huge, beautiful Mexican bowl that you're so excited about, but you feel awful and you just give up. And really, that means you need those foods the most, because you really need to cultivate those bacteria. But You just want to do it in a really gentle and really smart way. So instead of diving in, um, maybe introduce like a little tiny side of beans on the side of a salad or on the side of something you usually eat. And if you feel okay with that, if you feel, yeah, that 
that's not causing me too many digestive problems, then keep that going. And then maybe the next week you introduce um, maybe some hummus, so chickpeas, and you see how you feel with that. And little by little, you build up these bacteria until eventually you can eat that big, beautiful Mexican bowl and you feel totally fine. Yeah, <laughs> I went into a very long story there, but I hope that cleared it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, definitely. It, I think that's so important to know. And it really just shows some some science behind our recommendation before of crowding things in and doing it slowly. Like your microbiome will actually love that. And exactly. I was watching some videos on nutritionfacts.org, Dr. Greger's website. And he has so love that website. I love it. I could spend all day on that website. <laughs> yeah, he has so many great videos on microbiome health. And I was watching one the other day that was saying that, yeah, the meat eating bacteria, it's actually associated with some chronic diseases and the plant based eating bacterias, they are just associated with um, health and longevity. And I can link the studies. But yeah, like the meat eating bacteria they can cause inflammatory bowel disease. And there's just so many benefits of cultivating, like you said, a healthy microbiome. And I love his videos because they just break things down so simply. It's really great. I know. I love them too. And he always includes the studies as well, if you want to look deeper, which is so helpful. But yeah, I think I may have watched a similar one, but um, yeah, eating. So the, the bacteria that thrive on meat and even dairy and eggs, when they're fed these foods, they produce byproducts, which is, is what leads to the negative health outcomes. And it's, it's really scary. We're literally feeding bacteria that can then increase disease. So it's, we have so much control over it. It's crazy. And it's amazing because we can do yeah. so much. It's crazy, but it's, it's empowering because you know that you actually can do a lot to influence your health. Yeah, exactly. It's it's very empowering. I love it. <laughs> That's why we do what we do, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the next question is, aren't lectins nightshade bad? There's been a lot of talk about this in the wellness world lately. Yes, there has been. I feel like, yeah, I feel like every so often some study – and it's usually not a very like a reputable study or a media headline comes out and there's like a big controversy about a different health food, if you know what I mean. Like I remember there was an article that was all over the place called like kale can kill or something like that. And it's, it happens every so often. And I feel like lectins are, is currently what's under attack. Um, And I actually saw a post on Instagram recently that I loved because I thought it summed it up so well. And it was something something like saying um, lectins are bad for you and we shouldn't eat beans or legumes is like saying we shouldn't breathe air because 100% oxygen is also toxic. And it just showed that you're just you're just zooming in so much to one isolated aspect of a food it's just one tiny little part you're not looking at the whole picture and when you isolate something 
you can really say that anything or really argue that anything is good or bad. So I guess the argument with lectins is that they are called an anti-nutrient because they can bind and prevent our body from absorbing different nutrients in food. And they are said to be inflammatory as well. And of course, they're in legumes, they're in nuts, seeds, some whole grains. So they've been kind of villainized, but these foods overall are so, so healthy. And it comes back again to the gut. So eating the biggest diversity of foods will lead to the biggest diversity of gut bacteria, which is what we need for health. We want to have the most diverse and the most resilient um, microbiome. And legumes are such an important food, such an important food group that support that microbiome by feeding our good microbes. So removing them from our diet obviously would decrease diversity and in turn lead to a less resilient microbiome. And yeah, lectins are such such a tiny such a tiny um, aspect of the food. And when you cook them as well, they essentially disappear. So they're really not something that we need to be concerned about. Um, And then also I know that, have you, I'm sure you've heard of the blue zones. Oh yeah. I was just going to mention that. So the different, the different communities or the different groups of people in parts of the world who have the longest living populations and a common theme amongst the blue zone communities is that they all incorporate legumes as an essential part of their diet so obviously these are health foods the lectins aren't causing them any problems and yeah they're really they're so minimal that they're not something we need to worry about mm-hmm. yeah Oh, and another video I saw on Dr. Garger's website, he was saying that many lectins actually aren't poison, like the ones found in tomatoes and lentils, but the ones found in raw kidney beans are toxic, but you can't eat raw kidney beans. Yeah, I read something like if you eat four raw kidney beans, then you will have nausea. And I'm like, nobody is going to eat four raw kidney beans. Exactly. Um, I will have to link this video because it was so interesting. He said, of course, like you said, when you cook them, the lectins disappear. But then the um, a lot of this controversy over lectins came from someone grinding up the raw kidney beans into a powder and then dusting it on rice, I think. And then everyone was feeling sick. So yeah, super interesting. I find something like that always happens, something that people don't <laughs> normally do. And then it sort of blows up. Yeah, exactly. yeah. something that something that we wouldn't intuitively do like that you know because in nature an animal wouldn't eat a bean raw like that it would be germinated and sprouted by rain and that's also why um sprouting like sprouting your nuts and seeds can diminish the lectin um the lectin amount as well and that's pretty much you just soak them which is super easy yeah definitely makes them easier to digest too like we were talking about digestion before yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, lectins are so okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I, I think what's so interesting too is that whenever a headline comes out that's kind of saying that like a really healthy food all of a sudden out of the blue is poisonous or toxic, there's just no science behind it. It's just a claim or it's 
it's an anecdote. Like you said, it's one person's experience or one person's story. And I think whenever you see a headline or something that, you know, you just use your intuition a little bit, but you also just, yeah, just look a little bit deeper into beyond the headline. Who wrote the story? Who funded it? Is there, is there science behind it? What kind of study is it? And then pretty, pretty easily you can decipher whether you think it's credible or whether it's just a headline. <laughs> Definitely. I'm so glad you mentioned that too, about the looking into the science, um, that the book that really sort of blew this up, Plant Paradox. Um, yeah. I personally haven't looked at what studies he referenced when writing it, but mm-hmm. just yesterday, I have to look into this more too, but I saw another video on Dr. Greger's website, but also <laughs> Dr. Dr. P. Colin Campbell's website, they both said that a lot of the studies didn't even match the sentences he wrote in the book. Like they were, some of them were just random studies and some of them actually said the complete opposite of what he claimed in the book. So again, I personally haven't looked into it, but I really trust uh, Dr. T. Colin Campbell, Dr. Gregor. So I'll just link that in case anyone wants to look into it themselves. Yeah, those are such great resources. And also now I'm bouncing off something you said, because this is what we do. Yeah. <laughs> it's so important too. So pretty much anyone can write a book. Like you don't need any background in the subject matter that you're writing on. As long as you get a publishing deal or self-publish, anybody can write a book. So I think it's kind of like a false sense of authority often when someone mm-hmm. writes a book that people trust it without looking beyond looking further into it um and yeah you mentioning that that book created this whole kind of lectin controversy just reminded me of that and like you said although maybe you haven't looked into each study that he mentioned in his book you have like through your own research and me too, because I also love those um, resources. But we've found really credible doctors that use that not only use one or two studies to kind of prove their point, but they use like thousands and thousands of studies. And they they go by the general consensus. And they pick apart different layers of different studies, because really, any one study can never tell the whole story on any particular health issue it's all about what direction is the research pointing towards and that's why I really really trust and respect Dr. Greger because he he does that so well and he doesn't have any agenda he's just trying to um trying to get the knowledge out there because he's super smart and apparently goes through studies like a madman yes I think I think one of his slogans is I read every single English speaking journal on nutrition every year so busy people like you don't have to (laughs) and he he has a treadmill desk so he just walks on it all day and reads he's so incredible he's the best (laughs) I listened to him recently on a podcast and he also mentioned he has a team of research helpers. Oh, I was yeah, like, okay, yeah. he goes through, I think every study related to plant-based nutrition, but also any other nutrition. He's, yeah, he's very well-versed, that guy. Incredible. <laughs> so, so yes, for anyone listening, always, always ask questions, I find. Asking questions into everything, even into what we're saying. And then you'll find 
the research to back it up. That I mean, that's another question we had on this list of common questions. How do I know which sources to trust? There's so much conflicting information about nutrition. So did you have any final additional points on that topic? Yeah, you know what? I I actually got so passionate about this topic um recently. I think I was just researching something and like you said there's so many conflicting arguments out there and it's so hard to decipher because there can be two studies on the same thing that produce totally different results. And if you're just looking at them in isolation, you can just say, honestly, I've tried. Apparently, it doesn't matter what I eat or what I do. So I'm just going to do whatever. But like we said, it's never just about one study. It's about what is what is the the whole story saying. So what has science been saying over the years? What has come out in recent studies? And yeah, the general direction that it's pointing in. Um, And that's why the kind of the best or the most credible types of research are systematic reviews and meta-analysis. So these are studies or papers that that's exactly what they do. They find every single study on any given topic and you know certain studies are for certain studies are against and they take all of this into consideration and then decide okay what is the general body of research saying and then they make a decision so i think that those types of studies meta analysis are the most credible and then to just be really wary of anecdotes which i think are so common, especially on social media. So like we mentioned before, an anecdote is just one person's experience. Um, So for example, and I feel like even in my own personal life, when people ask me like, why do you eat? Or why don't like, why don't you really eat oil? They always kind of come back or not always, but they sometimes come back with like, well, my grandma lived until she was 90. And she ate oil every single day and she ate meat and drank wine and it's like yes that that's your grandma and maybe she was lucky and maybe there were other lifestyle factors um, that contributed to that but that's not scientifically proven to be a lifestyle for longevity that's just your grandma's experience so I find just being able to identify an anecdote and then to realize that it's not science, it's just one person's experience. Um, it could, it could, you know, trigger somebody to then do a study because it could be an interesting realization. But um, yeah, it's not credible and it's not, it's not something to base any health decisions upon. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I did a video on this on my YouTube, which has like three videos at the moment. Oh, that's awesome. But um, yeah, I did um, a video called, what I call it, an intro to plant-based living. And maybe midway through, I actually break down questions to ask when you come across a nutrition headline or an article, like really basic questions to ask and just kind of takes you step by step on how to assess if it's credible or not. And then I do a little example in there too. So if anybody wanted to learn a bit more, they could always look at that. Yeah, definitely. I'll I'll definitely link that as well. And this leads well into the next question because it's another controversial topic. What about phytoestrogens? Aren't those bad? Should I avoid soy? 
the good old soy. Good old yes. soy. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I love soy. Um, I never used to eat a lot of soy, but it wasn't because of any health related reason. I think I just hadn't learned how to cook it into a delicious way yet. Um, but I currently eat tofu, tempeh, edamame beans in my diet, always organic with soy because they are a genetically modified crop. So if you're not choosing organic, they will be genetically modified. Um, but soy is, it's one of the most controversial foods. And it's, yeah, it's a shame because there's really no, the claims aren't supported by science. They're just they're just claims. They're not supported by anything evidence-based, at least. Um, and like you mentioned, everybody seems to be concerned that soy is really high in estrogen, which isn't the case. So estrogen is an animal hormone that comes from animals. And phytoestrogen is what is present in soy, which is a plant hormone, which comes from plants. And phytoestrogens are 1,000 times weaker than estrogens. So it just is funny to me that you'll always hear, oh, but you shouldn't eat soy because it has a lot of estrogen. But then what about meat, dairy, all these things that literally come from the animal that are so loaded with, with true estrogen. They have actual estrogen. It's like people won't yeah. drink soy milk because they think phytoestrogens <laughs> are bad, but they'll drink actual estrogen estrogens. <laughs> it is insane. It is and it's you know that's why obviously like having this conversation and just constantly learning is so important because there was you know there was a point when we had no idea like oh, I'm one, actually I feel like at one point I did think soy was bad because of estrogen but then obviously I've done research since then yeah and, yeah you just have to look yeah. into it yeah yeah, just looking into it. Um, but I, speaking of our favorite Dr. Greger, yeah. I recently found the most interesting study. Oh, was this about soy or was this about dairy? Okay, wait, maybe I'll save it for later because I think it's a bit more applicable to... Oh, did you see the video of Dr. Greger? I will link this video. It was so interesting. He said that, so estrogen, for women specifically, estrogen supplementation during menopause has positive effects such as reducing menopausal symptoms and improving bone health but mm -hmm. it also increases risk of cancer and blood clots and so yeah. that's why people are saying oh estrogen's bad phytoestrogens are probably bad because they mimic estrogen in the body but right so then he says for optimal well-being we would need something that has pro-estrogenic effects in some tissues like the bones because we know estrogen helps mm -hmm. strengthen them but then anti-estrogenic effects in other tissues like the breast and then right. the phytoestrogens have this effect so um, oh. they it makes them safe and actually beneficial, beneficial. So it's it just so interesting and then for men um yeah it there's a, a meta analysis mm -hmm. called wait I have it here um I can link it oh clinical studies show no effects of soy protein or isoflavins on reproductive hormones in men um and yeah so they did a, a meta-analysis and I think that too soy being bad for men was just something blown up by the media yeah media for sure yeah and Dr. 
Furman. Do you follow any Dr. Furman's work? The he created the Nutritarian Diet. I have recently watched some of his videos. I yeah, I like his his work too because I'm I'm a very big advocate of nutrient density, as are you, which he always talks about. <laughs> but yeah, this is another article I have to look into more. But he said that there was one study where a man experienced breast swelling after drinking three quarts of soy milk every single day for over six months. But when he stopped drinking that much, it he resolved. And then he said, even in Asian countries where soy intake is way higher than in Western countries, three quarts is like, it's seven to eight (laughs) times the typical amount of isoflavin intake. And so it, it was just like one case where he was drinking an insane amount. And yeah, it just, things get blown up and um another thing too i've heard is a lot of times it's like the meat and dairy industries they'll just try to create confusion because if we're confused then like it doesn't matter what we eat we'll just eat everything you know so yeah exactly exactly they just it's just a little bit of confusion to keep people from um to keep them where they are pretty much yeah yeah and yeah so interesting that you mentioned um the populations that consume high amounts of soy because I read another study recently that linked high soy consumption in an Asian country with low breast cancer incidence. So mm-hmm. that's very interesting as well. And then there's also, I was going to ask you if you had found a study on this, because I think this would be super interesting, but I feel like I've heard it being um, discussed and hypothesized, but since the phytoestrogen um, can link to estrogen can bind, sorry, to estrogen receptors in the body. I just wonder, and I feel like it's speculated that that phytoestrogen binds to the receptor and then the true estrogen in the body is circulating. So since it has nowhere to bind, it then gets detoxed out through the liver. So would it even be possible for the phytoestrogen content in soy to decrease overall estrogen in the body? I'd be interested in that. I'm sure Dr. Greger has a video on that. (laughs) We'll follow up in part two. Yes, for sure. So yes, soy is okay. Soy is definitely okay, yeah. Oh, oh, one last thing I was going to mention. The the China study. Yes, of course. Yeah, Dr. T. Colin Campbell. Yeah, they studied, I think, over 65 countries in rural China. And yeah, the results showed. The closer you come to a plant-based diet, the lower your risk for so many different chronic diseases. And yeah, they definitely eat soy there. So, Yes. And it was one of the um, largest studies to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we covered a lot already about we lifestyle, did. got into some of the science. But in part two of this, we're going to go even deeper into more of the science we'll talk about is or is it okay to eat meat if it's organic what's wrong with dairy what's wrong with eggs the big question where do you get your protein um we'll talk a bit about carbs fats what's wrong with oil do i need supplements so many topics to discuss and if you have any questions as well you can reach out to either of us I'll leave our emails and Instagram links too. So if you have any specific things you want covered, we can chat about that too. Amazing. And yeah, to leave off this part of the conversation, do you have any top tips 
you'd like to share about how to transition to a whole food plant-based diet? I absolutely do. I actually love this question because I feel like it's it's really fun and light. Um, and I also made a video on this. So if anybody um, wants to check that out, I'll send you the link, Ali. But it's yeah, my top sure. tip for starting a plant-based lifestyle. And my number one tip is to be kind to yourself. So as we mentioned, this is the lifestyle goes so much further than just food. It's really a lifestyle of love. So if you're not treating yourself with that same love, then what's the point really? Um, So it's a journey and yeah, just don't even worry about perfection. Just enjoy it. Enjoy trying all the beautiful new foods enjoy the experience and be proud of yourself for doing something great for your body um, and for the environment and for the sweet little animals. So that's my top tip. And then my second tip would be to take baby steps. Um, Of course, there are some people who can just jump into it 100% and be successful with that. But from my experience and from working with clients, I find that taking little steps is often more sustainable and just more manageable. So what I recommend, sorry, and what I do with my clients is to start with one change. So that could be, and it depends on you. So it could be maybe switching your dinner every day. So let's say you're like obsessed with your breakfast and you don't want to switch it right now. You don't want to give up your your scrambled eggs with cheese, that's okay. Um, Just focus on one change. So yeah, so I find dinner is a nice place to start because you have a little bit more time. It's at the end of the day, you can get excited and you start with a plant-based dinner. And once that becomes really comfortable, really normal, then you can introduce a second change and maybe that's swapping um, your snacks at lunch. So maybe you have veggies with a dip that has some dairy in it to veggies and hummus, or maybe you make like a beautiful cashew or hemp seed Caesar dressing. So just really small changes one at a time, I find leads to, like we said, it just becomes effortless. Um, It's not overwhelming and you can really enjoy the process. And then I am such an advocate for introducing green smoothies, either as breakfast or as a little snack. And that's because they are so nutrient dense. So such a great way to get in your greens, especially if you're not used to eating those kinds of foods. So it's our taste buds adapt. And that is also related to the gut, which maybe we'll talk about next time because we're wrapping it up. But but um, as you start to eat cleaner and start to introduce more greens you'll you'll come to really enjoy the taste of them and even crave them so I find a green smoothie is a really yummy way to do this Um, and then get your pantry stocked so just having all of these options on hand makes life so much easier because you really are going to eat what you have in your house right And we all know, like, (laughs) how many times have I opened the fridge and stared at it and it's pretty much empty and then I close it. And then 10 minutes later, you go back and you're like hoping something has come out of you. My boyfriend was literally doing that the other day. We we were in need of getting groceries. (laughs) Um, 
So yeah, having just being stocked up um, and pantry as well, having an assortment of whole grains that you can switch up, having and having foods that you enjoy. So if you love fruit, stock up on fruit. If you love having a little sweet treat at night, stock up on some dates, maybe a dark chocolate that's dairy free, obviously. And just make sure that you have those healthy foods on hand to make your life really easy. And then my last tip is what you guys are all doing right now, which is to keep learning and keep educating yourself. Because the more you learn about the health aspects, about the animal experience, and just how sweet and amazing animals are, and of course, the more you learn about our world, you're just going to get so much additional motivation to keep you going that I think it's, yeah, it's super helpful as well. So those are my, my top tips. Awesome. Yeah, those are all amazing tips. I love them all. <laughs> do you have any, do you have any top tips, top my tips? dear? I feel like you've covered a lot of them. Because um, we're the same person. <laughs> yeah, we, we have so much in common. And I, yeah, I just, I really, really love the whole idea of crowding in the whole foods and being really gentle with yourself, like you said, and yeah, just taking this as a journey, really educating yourself and continuing to educate yourself. Like we we've been living this lifestyle for years and we're still learning. There's always more to learn. Um, the more you learn, the more you want to learn. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and amazing. I think too, even both of us, we're great examples of how you can transition your diet your lifestyle you can uh your taste buds do change if you look at um, the food we used to eat to what we eat now it's it's something that really I believe everyone can do and just honoring it as a journey and taking the time to yes let your habits change but also let your microbiome change you know exactly Mm -hmm. and going just being gentle and being loving it allows it allows that to all happen naturally and kind of together. Like your microbiome starts to change, your taste buds start to change, your cravings, but also your like your views on on food and on life. And it just, yeah, it just happens so gently and naturally that it's effortless. It is, yeah. I love that word, effortless. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for sharing so much. Oh my God, thank you for having me. This was so fun. So fun, yeah. I'm so excited for part two. Um, me too. And Butter, I have to say, Butter thoroughly enjoyed himself. Oh, amazing. <laughs> He's been sitting here the whole time. So <laughs> I'm going to have to include a picture of Butter in the podcast. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. I'll send you a cute one, although all of them are. <laughs> thank you, Ali. This was so fun. Thank you. That was my conversation with Julia. I hope you learned a lot. Let me know in the comments what your biggest takeaways from the episode were. And be sure to check out the show notes. I've left links to Julia's Instagram and website so you can connect with her and learn more about her nutrition services. I've also left a lot of resources. I left links to all the books, videos, studies we mentioned in the podcast. You can dive into those resources if you want to learn more. 
and stay tuned for part two of the podcast. We'll be addressing more of the top questions that people have about going plant-based, such as where do I get my protein? Do I need to take supplements? What's wrong with dairy? Why should I avoid eggs? Is organic meat okay? We'll be answering these questions and more, and you can let either of us know if you have any other questions about plant-based living, the plant-based diet. Both of our emails are in the show notes, so you can connect with us via email. And in general, we'd both be so happy to chat with you about plant-based living if you're looking for some personalized support on your plant-based journey. This was a really fun episode. I'm so excited for part two, so stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for listening.